0: I'm a
1: Patreon. I'm a season pay for yeah. Revelation. I play time. Baptism. Slash Lumpin. Pod Tax. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Revolutionary Lumpen Radio. This episode is going to be hosted by myself, Shibi, and our comrade and co-host, Ryan, aka the Zen Marxist. We're also going to be joined by a phenomenal person who defies the role of guest, in my opinion. They're an outstanding activist, visionary, parent, and socialist who's been around the block and have since got a whole lot of love in the hearts and time of day for anybody who needs the support and advice. As amazing as our guest is, or the importance of the work they do for the masses or even how they're raising a little one among all their instinctive activism and progress under capitalism. You know, this guy's still confronted by what we're all here for to explore and condemn with this deep dive into a two-part episode that explores the contradictions and class traitors among Marxists today. So we'll pick up a few of the class traitor Marxist arguments against sex workers as we go. We'll hear their logic and apply actual grounded material sense and not just the opinions of others, specifically proletarian feminist positions. We'll cover Sester Foster, the Nordic model, you know, their approach to sex work, and we also hear of some better alternatives from sex workers themselves. The next episode from this will be with a proletarian feminist class traitor, so that we can fully explore the contradictions and logical fallacies that they present, you know, that also happens to possess so many cringe Marxists who just got nothing but a detachment from reality. So here we go into it, I mean, really there's very few resources that it is resourceful within two hours so i mean thank you again to our guest phoenix absolutely phenomenal love you amazing person i just want to say to everybody just listen to like how happy and bubbly phoenix is but like how the topics actually quite like there was some shit where like she'd laugh at it but I couldn't laugh at it because I was like shit that's fucking heavy I was like can't laugh at that that's heavy you know what I mean but that just shows you you know, how conditioned and how formidable uh, this guest is, how they've seen it all, done it all, and, you know, it's a part of every single day life. You know, you workers can turn off when you go home and then watch fucking EastEnders or any of your shitty fucking TV shows. These sex workers on a full-time shit. It's a struggle out here. Here's sex work and Marxism 4 with Phoenix. A am gonna say Street I'm to catch a woman that's
0: gonna say
1: to say it. I'm gonna say it. I'm to I'm to i to all. <laughs> look, around you, look around you, look around you, look around you, look around you, the are lumping it everywhere Just fucking get your head out from your fucking rocks The are lumping it there, they're lumping in the millions and we need them for the love of God Weaker than the lumping Lampen
2: Sure, so I'm originally from Chicago. I live in Michigan now, and I actually started in the sex industry when I was in my late teens, because I was a teen mother. That was really like the only way that I could find a way to work and pay all my bills, because like I, I hear from the accents, I, I hear the UK accents coming out, but um, I live in America, and we don't have health insurance here, and mm-hmm. um, I had a child who was born with like a lot of health problems and so it just wasn't feasible for me to pay medical bills uh, and pay for expenses, you know, like rent and food and things like that with what I was able to make at that age at that time. And so, so I ended up doing sex work. I was in and out of the industry for several several years and now I'm actually one of the executive directors of Swap USA, which is Sex Workers Outreach Project. It is a national 501c3 organization that is dedicating to helping sex workers and people who have been uh, victims of sex trafficking so that is what i do now Wow. and so that's kind of who i am i don't know like if you have more questions feel free to ask i never know what i'm supposed to say when i introduce myself i'm just like oh, I, I do stuff
3: <laughs> yeah i'm the same when people
1: do that i'm just like i don't know i'm just
3: a person i don't know. What
2: I do. <laughs>
1: A lot of people have got no other frame of reference because, I mean, it's just you do what you do yeah. in your material reality, and that's ultimately what we're talking about here that other people don't get. There's not a whole lot of options, and if there is, you can only do the best ones, and even the best ones aren't necessarily great when you've got bourgeoisie ruling class fucking godlike men. Exactly. Flying across the earth doing whatever they want, whatever they want. Insane. Exactly. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Yeah, no solidarity, power to you as a parent, trying to get healthcare, honestly, it's just wow, what a world. So how did you get into like politics, because you talk about politics, you a podcast everything basically is politics, like, so do you subscribe to a specific tendency? And if so, why?
2: I think I am probably most comfortable being labeled as a socialist. I think that personally, a lot of my ideals are actually further left. I think that already, like, it's very hard to convince people into socialism. (laughs) So that, I guess, is a first step for me. I mostly got into politics just because of essentially my existence is a very politicized one, you know, not just as time I spent as a single parent, not time, not just the time I spent doing sex work. I'm using my very white voice right now so everybody can understand me, but I'm actually black.
1: Oh, uh, no way. Let, <laughs> let it come out. Just be yourself. <laughs> let it be, I don't oh. care. And look, honest to God, if any of my <laughs> listeners have got a problem with it, come <laughs> and know, see I- me.
2: I don't think they would be offended, but sometimes it can get confusing with vernacular and slang. And like, I just want to be like really clear about what I'm saying so people understand me mm. and not maybe like throw in vernacular words that people aren't familiar with. So like, that's really the, and not because I think people be offended. I just want to be like, really clear about what I'm trying to communicate. You know what I mean?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I'm with you. Yeah, That's an interesting point, but it's true and it's important to do that when you can as well without too much oppression because, God, we want to get to know you. (laughs) Thank you.
2: Yeah, and so, you know, being Black, I've dealt with, you know, police violence. Essentially, like, I was born into poverty. My family has never essentially had money. I'm actually the first person in my family who's ever owned a home. So that's like really exciting. We just closed on a house a couple of weeks ago. I'm a homeowner now. I'm very excited about it.
4: Ooh, nice.
2: But yeah, I'm the first person in my family who's ever had, you know, these sort of privileges and opportunities. And even from that, I came from a lot of pretty severe poverty. You know, like when I was born, my parents actually uh, didn't. They were basically homeless. They were squatting in abandoned buildings. So I actually like didn't have consistent things like running water and consistent heat until I was like almost seven because I got put into foster care. Mm. And so like it was like pretty severe poverty yeah. and, um, you know, like that sort of thing. And then how foster care went, uh, you know, being a black girl in foster care, I got put into families with a lot of like white conservatives like the last family that I was placed with, actually, uh, they're actually Trump supporters. (laughs) So that should give you an idea of like how some of my childhood went having to live with these people, you know, and then just as far as being queer, I'm a bisexual, I've dated women, I've dated men, I've dated non-binary folks, and, you know, all these sort of things which are in some ways just like an identity also impact how the world treats you. And so like I got very interested in politics because I'm like, how come I don't have the same rights other people do? How come I get treated differently than other people do because of my class or because of my race or because of my gender, because of my sexuality or because I've done sex work and so that really um, fostered the idea of really getting into politics and how it works because I think a lot of folks don't understand that. I'm really happy that we're having this particular conversation about sex work because I think that people don't understand uh, necessarily like politics or they don't necessarily understand how policy happens or how it's implemented. And so a lot of people who actually have really good intentions around sex work discussions often come in with really bad ideas because they don't understand the politics. And so like, I'm really excited to talk about that and hopefully clear uh, some things up. So yeah, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm just a typical leftist in so many ways. Like, yeah, i like to go to protests. Yeah, I've been fucked up by cops. Yeah, I've spent a lot of time being poor. Yeah, I think that Jeff Bezos has too much money, <laughs> Like you know, in some ways very standard, but also because like I'm, you know, watching my friends, my community, myself, and you know, how these sort of stigmas and these ideas are impacting our everyday lives. And it's just really brutal in so many ways. For sure.
3: Guess, like with all of our guests right there's a running theme which is like you didn't come to politics like arbitrarily if that makes sense like it was mm-hmm. it was because of your entire existence right like your, your, exactly. your existence was definitionally political right exactly it's why i can't go on twitter anymore because i see I, like, <laughs> politics to them it's like window dressing it's like an aesthetic mm-hmm. like exactly. I, I can't do that i can't deal with people like that it's just an entirely different thing like i'm not i'm not here for that at all
2: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's it sounds like a really like corny line to say, but that quote where it's like, um, you may not have an interest in politics, but politics has an interest in you. Um, I yeah. find that to be very true, like, unfortunately. like, You know what I mean? Like, none of us are just moving through the world by accident. A lot of us um, are moving through the world in ways that were, you know, intentionally shifted to put us on a certain path through a certain maze. And I don't think a lot of people appreciate um, how widespread and interconnected, like, politics is as far as how it impacts your daily life.
3: Yeah. No. I mean, that's why we say, that's why I always say that there's no such thing as political, right it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. right everything from like what you get paid to the roads you travel on to whether you can go to a hospital or not the education like everything is definitionally political right people i think exactly have this idea that there's like this zone that exists that's outside of politics right but it, it just doesn't
2: mm-hmm. exist a hundred percent a hundred percent i agree
1: so, on that point, we've been doing a sex work and Marxism series, but this is going to be the first one going forward as sex trade and Marxism. Because, mm-hmm. like, I had an explanation on Rev Left Radio, and it made sense talking about sex trade more definitionally and accurately to me. But, like, can I ask you to give our listeners and myself your thoughts on the sex work, sex trade, phraseology, Does it matter to you? Should it matter to others? What's it about? Because it means that I'm I'm probably going to have to change the whole title to my show because I've been doing it wrong the whole entire time.
2: Um, No, I think language definitely um, matters. Even if we don't necessarily intend something to be a certain way, it can be interpreted that way. Um, Like, personally, that's one of the reasons that I say sex industry or sex work. I very rarely say sex trade, unless I'm talking about, like, specifically in a legal context. Only because there's a lot of stigma around something being a trade. At least in America, that's usually something that's vilified. So, like, the drug trade, right? Because our government did this whole war on drugs thing that really just meant, like, arresting poor people for having marijuana. It didn't really stop, like, addiction, you know, anything like that. And so, like, at least in America, a lot of times when trade is tacked onto something, it's meant to stigmatize it and put it in a negative light. Like, oh, we have to stop the drug trade because... We can't have people smoking weed, right? Like, I don't know if y'all know, but weed is a schedule one drug in America. So that means like it's legally classed the same as like heroin or cocaine,
1: Mm, which is
2: kind of, (laughs) right, which is kind of wild. But you know, but that's again, because that's the drug trade and it's meant to be stigmatizing. It's meant to create essentially propaganda and talking points that justify like a police state. It's meant to justify putting people in prison for petty crimes and those sort of things. And so I see a lot of that sort of same attitude when it comes to talking talking about like sex trade in the, t- like, in the term sex trade. A lot of people who say sex trade are usually not actually in favor of sex workers having rights. They either wanna force sex workers out of the sex industry or they're okay with having like an extra um, surveillance state of sex workers because they're in the trade, they're doing something that's bad. And so I find with sex work, there's sort of like two different thoughts. One of them is a more conservative right leaning thought which is sex workers are just immoral people because they're having sex. But I also find from, like, the leftists that there's a lot of attitude that, like, oh, sex workers are poor victims stuck in this trade they can't get out of, they need rescue. And so there's this, like, rush to rescue sex workers without asking what health looks like to sex workers. And so um, it's just created, like, a lot of problems and bad policies. But it it really does, in my opinion, have a lot to do with that terming, like, sex trade, because a trade is always seen as kind of, like, a negative thing here. So that's that's why I say that um please like don't say prostitutes don't say prostituted women those terms just drive me up the wall but yeah sex workers sex work industry it is a bit vilified that's why personally I say sex work typically if I do say sex trade I'm really and you know this is something that I mentioned earlier about like people don't necessarily understand how like your quote-unquote real life is different from politics if I'm talking about things in a like a political like legal sense I may say sex trade because that's like legal jargon but if I'm like actually talking about sex workers or sex Workers, I just say sex work. Yeah, it's it's very and I, I again like I think a lot of folks do come into this with good intentions, but they don't understand how complicated the conversation is. So they just sort of latch onto the first thing that sounds good and don't necessarily realize the harm that causes. So yeah, don't say sex trade, say sex work, sex work industry.
1: <laughs> you got it. This is no sex work and Marxism for right.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah.
3: A lot of people, like, uh, when it comes to any topic, they approach these things with, like, bourgeois morality without even realizing it, right? Because, definitionally, right. we all live in bourgeois society, right? So each of us has, right. like, ideas on any subject or topic that are definitionally going to be wrong. But that's why, you know, Marx talked about Marxism being the ruthless criticism of all that exists, right? And that includes your own opinion on every single topic, right? Mm
2: hmm. Definitely. Yeah, because I, I think it really is important to keep that sort of context in mind because something that I find a lot is that a part of the reason that sex work is so stigmatized is because a lot of people can't imagine doing it. And so by default, they're like, well, I wouldn't do it. So if you're doing it, it must be for some, like a bad reason. <laughs> like you're so desperate or you're a bad person or whatever it is, there's some sort of like negative thing.
1: I'd be too shy to do that, so you must be a slut.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm it happens that that mindset is very and even among leftists that mindset is really common
1: yeah that's where they it to go
2: like it's i wouldn't do it so something must be wrong with you because you did yeah so was like all right well <laughs>
1: yeah that's where we wanted to go because you know i don't sit around here talking all day what liberals want who the fuck gives it <laughs> i care about what's going on with the marxists and yeah. uh, the bourgeois morality towards the, the sex workers and they're trying to rebrand with this phraseology like this sex tradeology mm-hmm. I see that as a legitimate tool and I would not be surprised to see it just be a standard norm for large portions already to use sex trade if you're against and sex work if you're for that would be insane to see mm-hmm. but obviously we're against that we want to stop this now and that's what people need to fucking yeah. well thanks for listening and obviously, because you're here and paying attention. So keep up the good faith. I'll problem for you, so don't lose your attention. So let's go on to...
2: Um, no, I was definitely just going to say that I think that a lot of uh, the miscommunication or the problem when talking about, like, sex work and Marxism is people talk a lot about theories and they don't talk a lot about material reality. Um, and so there's always this, like, well, sex work is bad. We should ban the industry. And it's like... Mm-hmm well the people who are doing it are doing it for money so what happens to them <laughs> you know and there's not necessarily a lot of that because it is just a lot of theory, but the people who are living it are very rarely consulted in these conversations, and that's like really frustrating. That you know you have you know you have this theory about what's right or wrong. It's like okay, but talk about the people living it. What what is their perspective? What's helpful? What's harmful? What's going on? And I don't see a lot of that happening, unfortunately, in leftist spaces.
3: I mean, it's almost definitionally like idealism, right? They're like moralizing a situation and trying to sort of throw a blanket of morality over it. And, you
2: know, you know. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
3: But then when you realize that that's not a material analysis, right, you need to look at the actual material conditions up, not like some kind of, Mm -hmm. you know, moral idea that you have in your head and then apply it down to everyone, right?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, I was it's so funny because I was actually talking to a bunch of sex workers before we started recording just because I was like, this is what I'm going to say. Do y'all have anything to add? Because, you know, I respect my community. Ooh, and uh, one of the great quotes actually that came from it was, until people who are opposed to the sex work industry can offer adequate alternatives, they do not have the right to push their bullshit onto the rest of us. Yes. And I think that's like a really big thing because they're not offering alternatives. They're just saying, don't do this. It's bad. And it's like, well, I still have to eat. I still have to pay rent. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like,
0: no matter where we're fierce, we must face the moment of truth,
4: baby.
1: We'll actually cover that know we apply the pressure here we are revolutionary lumpen radio we aim to build knowledge on the revolutionary lumpen struggling yeah. today as Marxists, along with you know everybody else out there so that we can better understand this phenomena of a capitalist class structured society which we literally live in so that we can better work with and give solidarity to this strata of lumpen class the, the sex workers as well is. The the prisoners, as well as the disabled, as well as other criminal elements, and anybody Mm -hmm. else that missed out. But just trying to understand this and bring everybody's thoughts and knowledge and concerns here. But every seems like no matter what strata of that lumping class you're in, you've got the same kind of ostracization from Marxists. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is just what I've seen to learn, like literally from speaking to people, as well as experiencing in in myself. something we're fucking trying to do here is, is bring these voices yeah. out because it's real it's it's like people read like documents on what people have on information like scraps of information here and there this is literally the truth what people are telling you this is how it is we also want to prove on Revolutionary of Radio that we're not just sitting here talking about this and it's imaginary like these mm-hmm. like we're just trying to make Marxists seem like the bad guy's But, like, you know, (laughs) this is real. Like, Uh I'd like to think I had a good idea of the situation already, you know, with the sex work and Marxist struggle. But I know a lot of comrades out there are lacking an understanding as to, like, why the heck sex traders should be comrades and what the hell are these. (laughs) you know bad words have to Uh to contribute uh with their mysterious distracting slutty ways (laughs) I mean it it is it is mad why do you talk and defend sex traders as like a socialist sex I've seen the script was set up on sex traders but now I'm just like I don't want to even say it (laughs) Fuck <laughs> your sex trader. So why do you why do you defend um, these beautiful socialist sex workers?
2: Well, I mean, partially because I am one, so this is my like immediate community, you know. But also because I really do feel like sex workers are oftentimes very ignored um, when it comes to leftist movements in general. Like when it comes to like workers' rights movements, a lot of uh, labor movements are not inclusive of sex workers. I think one of the big things is people don't understand how and why people get into sex work, necessarily. Because they're still... Stuck on this whole sort of like puritanical bullshit morality thing of, well, I wouldn't do it, so you shouldn't, instead of really looking at the material conditions that lead people in going into sex work. So, a lot of the reasons are because, um, you know, things like uh, homophobia and transphobia. A lot of people who start sex work at a young age are people who do not have family support systems because they came out and their families abandoned them, right? We have a disproportionate amount of. Um, Non white people who do sex work because of things like wage gaps. They are not able to make the same as white counterparts and therefore not able to survive, especially considering like the federal minimum wage in America is like fucking like $7, $8. Well, I don't even know what it is. It's like there, you cannot rent an apartment anywhere in America on a living wage or on a, the federal minimum wage, and they haven't raised it in over a decade. You know what I mean? And so keep in mind that most people who make minimum wage are not white. And so now we're talking about, you know, a disproportionate amount of people who wouldn't be able to make enough money in a legal job doing something like being a cashier or barista or working in an office, you know, they wouldn't make enough to support themselves. And so that's a problem. A lot of sex workers get into the industry because they have um, disabilities, whether that be physical disabilities, whether that be mental health struggles, you know, but they're not able to like stand up and work a shift for 10 hours a day. And so like uh, you, What you find when you talk about sex workers is like a very diverse community of people who, if it wasn't for sex work, they wouldn't have another way to survive under capitalism. And so I feel like that's very rarely addressed. And so sex workers are seen as not real workers, and so they're not allowed into workers' rights movements. Um, sex work is seen as something dirty, so they're not allowed into racial justice movements or into LGBTQ movements or... Um, You know, sex workers are seen as not having real jobs like other people, so they're not allowed into uh, conversations around wealth inequality. And it's like, but sex workers are literally um, a particular group that has found a way to survive under capitalism, essentially using a bunch of life hacks by finding other ways to get money outside of, uh, you know, the typical sort of like nine to five or work a shift, you know, those things, because they physically, for whatever reason, can't do those things. And instead of being appreciated for finding alternatives or creating alternatives, uh, you know, as far as having community, as far as doing um, mutual aid, as far as finding ways to survive, they're really not appreciated for that. They're just really stigmatized. And it's really unfortunate because all these other movements could learn a lot from sex workers, the way sex workers organize and operate. And it's really sad that's not happening. But the big thing about that is people not understanding why sex workers get in. They think it's really easy to be like, oh, just get out and do something else. And it's like, that's not happening. If you can't physically work a shift on your feet every day, where do you work? <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, if you don't have qualifications to get a job, you know, cause keep in mind sex workers in America and well, a lot of other places too, are still getting arrested. You, It's hard to get a job with that arrest record, you know? And so like, there's a society that doesn't let sex workers leave the sex work industry but then also nobody wants to listen to how sex workers got there or what they're doing. And so like, I feel like it's really important to bring those conversations to the forefront because we should be talking about ableism in the workplace. What happens when somebody can't stand up for 10 hours a day and that's what a job requires? How does that person work? How do they eat? How do they pay their rent? How do they, you know, buy their medication? How do they maintain their, how do they maintain a life? And we're not really having those conversations or seeing sex work as an alternative to Uh, you know that sort of labor and so it's like really frustrating for me to see people you know saying like oh sex work isn't real work or sex workers don't have real skills when sex workers absolutely do and they're finding ways to create communities and survive within capitalism in the like the most holistic ways possible and it's just really not appreciated because people are still so stuck on but you're having sex with people and it's gross There's
1: so much more going on. Oh my God. You could be a comedian with that shit because that shit is comedic because it's so true. Actually, when you hear it out loud, saying it for what it is. Another point that I just wanted to raise as well is people would have other people believe that you just simply want to turn everybody into a prostitute, everybody's Mm -hmm. mom, the sister, the brother, the wife. Is that the case, or is it just the fact that people aren't necessarily turning to sex work and it's not sex work that is keeping them alive? Ultimately, it comes down to money. You need money to survive under capitalism, and that happens to be the most basic way to earn. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I don't want anybody to go into sex work that doesn't want to do it. You know, and I understand that we all make sacrifices because capitalism and people may end up doing work they won't want to do, but for me, ideally like you know i know people i was like oh post revolution this that and the other post revolution sex work will still exist i don't care what anybody tells you but i would like to see a world in which people do not have to do types of labor that they don't want to do whether that's because their bodies can't handle physical labor whether it's because they have a like a mental health condition or you know something of that nature that prevents them from doing it whether it's because they you know don't want to do whatever like i want people to have jobs that they find tolerable and acceptable and there's people who do want to leave sex work and can't leave. And that bothers me too. Like I don't want to make someone be in the sex work industry if they don't want to be here. You know what I mean? But I mean, but I would also say that about any, any industry because it stresses you out and it wears you down and it, you know, will have physical consequences. It will affect your mental health. It affects like, you know, sleep and depression, anxiety and, you know all those sorts of things. Like I don't want people being stuck in industries that they don't want to be in. Like I, I, I don't know anybody who wants. And what's actually fascinating about that argument that like oh you just want everybody to be a sex worker. If you ask most sex workers hey how can I be a sex worker they won't respond to you because they don't want to tell you those sort of things, right? <laughs> wow. Because they yeah like
3: it's a secret society. Oh,
1: it's deep.
2: In a a lot of ways, it kind of is. And so it's always funny when I see all these straw men like, oh, you just want everyone to be a hoe. And it's like, no, we really don't. Or like, oh, you don't care about trafficking. Trust me, nobody cares more about trafficking than sex workers. Like, nobody cares more about trafficking and those sort of things. But nobody talks to sex workers. And so people don't know what's going on because it is a very insulated community because there's so much stigma around it. And if you're outed, You know, you can face jail time. If you have kids, you can have your kids taken away from you. You can get, you know, arrested, have a permanent record. And then, you know, depending where you are in America, which I know America is huge and there's 50 states and it's super confusing because every state has their own sex work legislation, which does not help make the situation easier to discuss. But like in Alaska, Any prostitution charge comes with a human trafficking charge. But ultimately what that means is like, so if you're a sex worker and you're offering services, and like, let's say you offer services to an undercover cop and you get arrested, you are also hit with a trafficking charge for trafficking yourself. So now you have a felony, which is a mandatory one year in prison for trafficking yourself because you put up your own ad. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, what are we doing? You know, that sort of thing. And so, like, people don't, or like, you know, for a while in Louisiana, you would get put on the sex offenders list if you'd gotten arrested too many times for prostitution charges. But the sex offenders list, as most Americans understand it, is a list for people who are uh, convicted of things like rape or, like, pedophilia or, uh, you know, like, possessing child porn. And it's like, why would you put someone who's a sex worker on the same list as you would put somebody who gets child porn off the dark web? Like, these are not not the same thing at all
1: these policy makers are fucking parasites of them and they need to be annihilated. Honestly. I think I
3: saw something that like the criteria to actually get on the sex offenders list is ridiculous. Like if you urinate in public, you can be put on the sex offenders register, which means your name is next. Like serial Mm -hmm. rapists of children. It's like, what what is this? Like, Yeah,
2: Yeah, I actually um, made a Twitter thread about that like a couple weeks ago and I was pointing out, like, because that's the thing they're like, oh, because a lot of the people who approach sex work thinks that the sex offenders list is good and I was like it's actually really bad and that's like it, as a thing people get really um, concerned when you say like something is bad because like oh you're you're defending people who rape children and I'm like no I'm not defending people who rape children I'm saying and I used an example like from my own life I lived in an apartment complex I had two neighbors who were on the sex offenders list. One of them raped a 12-year-old girl when he was in his 30s. The other one had been homeless and repetitive. Yeah, the other one had been homeless. And he got caught urinating outside repetitively because he was homeless and didn't have a fucking bathroom. And he got put on the sex offenders list, too, for, like, exposing his genitals within 500 feet of a school because he was peeing in a park at 2 a.m., Obviously, like someone who's urinating outside at 2am and someone who's raping 12 year olds are not the same person, but they're on the same list. And that's like a real problem. And that is a huge discussion around criminal justice in the United States, as that so many people think, oh, you're convicted of a thing, or oh, you're on a list, you're a bad person. And it's like, no (laughs) these lists are actually bad and intended to create propaganda that keeps the prison system going (laughs) like there's you know there's no reason for that sort of thing and the same thing with sex workers why would somebody who is doing sex work be on the same list with somebody who's raping kids make it make sense make it make sense
3: (laughs) (laughs) that's why it's always confused me about like carceral groups on the supposed left when it comes to like you know sex work because it's like why would you willingly feed people that are supposed to be comrades of yours to the prison industrial complex like what are you doing here
2: well i mean i know i'm gonna get like all the pushback from this but i'm just gonna fucking say it
0: i got to talk i gotta tell what i feel i gotta talk about my life as i see it (laughs)
2: big thing is that their goal is to end demand and end demand is basically code word for end the entire sex work industry and so when your goal is ending the sex work industry a lot of people get really comfortable with collateral damage so if that means you know putting people in jail if that means police because they're so convinced like one of the big myths is that pigs pigs yeah oh fuck yeah (laughs) Um, But like one of the biggest myths around sex work is that almost everybody who does sex work is like being trafficked or is being controlled by a pimp. And that's absolutely not the case. But so many people believe that they're like, oh, it's so bad. Like that. um, What the fuck was that fucking movie with that racist man Uh, taken?
4: Oh, with, right, yeah. with yeah. Liam uh, Neeson Liamson? yeah
2: yeah, where he's just like, <laughs> like his daughter gets kidnapped by traffickers which barely happens that's usually not how trafficking works anyways but um, you know and so like in the movie right like he goes into some building and there's just like I don't know like 50 like white teenagers in there like drugged up and tied to beds and there's just like men in there raping them and people really think when they hear like trafficking like that's just what it is and it's like that's not what it is okay. that's not how it works And so, you know, but they're like, it's so bad. We have to end it right now, no matter what. And it's like adding more police isn't actually going to end it. Adding um, these really shitty laws isn't going to end it. And you know, but people really do get into this sort of like panicked, like someone's hurting children or someone's raping someone, that they, like, somehow lose the ability to have, like, a nuanced conversation to understand that the knee-jerk policies that come from that mentality are actually more harmful than helpful, both for sex workers and people who have been trafficked. Like, a lot of people don't know, in America, it's legal for cops to arrest people who have been trafficked, and that's actually something that they do. If they think you're being trafficked, they will arrest you and literally leave you in a jail cell until you confirm that you will testify against the perfect person who trafficked you. But like, arrest is violent. Being in jail is fucking violent. Like you can't take somebody, you know, whether you assume or whether they were legitimately trafficked in this, out of this abusive situation, put handcuffs on them, put them in the back of a car and threaten to give them a prison record that they'll have for the rest of their lives until they testify. That's fucking traumatizing. That's not helping. And people don't understand that that's like the result of these type of policies and these type of mindsets. Like people don't know that cops are actually arguing for the right to rape sex workers right now. In so many states, police are actually angry that um, they've been curtailed because what happens a lot is, you know, police pretend to be a client, get services under false pretenses, and then arrest you after they've had sex with you under false pretenses. People don't know that that's happening. So it's like, you know, people, like, oh, someone's being hurt and have this reaction to stop the problem, which is great and amazing. And I appreciate the empathy. But you have to make sure that your empathy is going in a direction that's actually productive to the people that you're trying to help. And there's not that second step that I see when it comes to sex work.
1: I wow, thank you so much for bringing all of that out and really tragically bringing out because it is traumatizing the damage. the the law does to the people and the people as you said start to act like pigs for the pigs Mm -hmm. and i mean it gets even worse right when you realize that like you said
3: earlier because of the the majority of um people in the industry are you know people of color generally and we know how the police treats them especially right Mm -hmm. so now when you add that whole factor in on top you're not i don't know how people tell themselves that they're the good people in this situation, right? When they're literally feeding people to, to the to the to the um, prison state, right?
2: Yeah, well, I, I think it's especially fascinating uh, from my own personal perspective um, because there were points when I was dealing with homelessness, and so I was doing street ba- street based work, street based sex work, um, and I was like routinely getting robbed by cops like all the time. It was just fucking, you know, I got, you know, I got sexually assaulted by cops. I got robbed by cops. You know, I got harassed by cops. And that was sort of a a consequence of doing street work at the time. And, you know, um, and then, you know, I went on to do other forms of sex work. And now I'm, you know, the executive director of like an actual organization that helps sex workers. But what's fascinating is when I talk about these things, oftentimes people on social media block me because they think I'm not a real person. They think I'm a troll, because what I'm saying is so far uh, so different from the narrative that they're fed about what sex workers are, that people really yeah. think that when sex they are like, oh, no, this is a pimp with a fake account. And it's like, this is not a, I'm not a pimp. Like, <laughs> like, You can see my face on the Internet in multiple places. I'm a real person, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But there is that sort of thing that, like, oh, it's outside of um, my range of experience. So therefore, anyone who's contradicting me is like lying or faking. And it's, you know, really interesting if you do follow sex workers on social media. Pretty much any time they comment, someone will come in and say, oh, no, you're lying or oh, you're too traumatized to know what's best for you. Or um, you're only saying this because you have an addiction or you're only saying this because you have too much unresolved trauma and really just Mm. not believing sex workers. And it's fascinating because I haven't seen any other um, group on the left that's treated with that level of disdain. Like, I certainly see things like, you know, like anti-Semitism or, you know, racism or classism or ableism. But I very rarely see a left, like an actual leftist telling another leftist, you don't get to talk about your own life because you don't, you're too traumatized to understand what consent is. I've never seen some wild ass shit like that anywhere else. Like people will routinely tell me that, um that sex work is paid rape. And I was like, I know what my consent looks like. And they're like, no, you don't. You're too traumatized to know if you consented. So now I'm supposed to trust somebody that I've never met to tell me whether or not I consented to having sex. Absolutely wild. It's the wildest shit you will ever <laughs> see in your life, honestly.
1: Yeah. Lived in a bubble all the lives, and you now they're just telling you things that you couldn't even comprehend.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, they don't, they don't like it. And it's just so interesting that uh, a lot of times these folks will spend time to argue with white sex workers and say that white sex workers are so privileged because they're only um, like online, like webcam girls, right? Like all sex workers only had only fans online work, which I mean, isn't, but I get the point about privilege, but it's like, when I talk about my experiences, like, no, I'm actually very much the opposite I have experienced. Um, You know, brutality and abuse and violence, while doing sex work. So, I mean, they don't want it because I keep. And that's why your models and your ears are bad. you know, oh no, did I just lose everybody? Okay, you're
3: still. Yeah, you roboted a little bit, but I think you're okay now. (laughs)
2: So, you know, that's, uh, just those things and that happens, you know, uh, pretty consistently, but that really does speak to that sort of idea that I mentioned earlier of like, well, I wouldn't do it. So something's wrong with you. If you did that sort of, um, arrogance and saviorism carries over to say that, well, I know better than you. I know your body better than you. I know your consent better than you. I know your state of mind better than you. I know what you need better than you do. And it's really infantilizing and it's really fucking offensive
3: yeah it's also a strange position to find yourself in because if you really believe that like you can know the intentions and wills of other people more than they do then why can't i say i know it more than they do i don't mm-hmm. i don't understand like it <laughs> becomes a sort of uh, a snake eating its own
1: tail right like if i don't get it okay.
2: yeah. yeah yeah
1: can i just say as well honestly the privilege when you were talking about privilege, mm-hmm. and like the privilege is being able to speak to you now, Phoenix genuinely honestly love you, thanks so much for speaking to us on this topic. Of course. I do sincerely value and appreciate everything that's gone into this, and you were talking about trauma earlier, yeah, I mean unfortunately, it does seem to be those who have the most trauma are the ones who are trying to be heard the most because, you know, we're not so easily recognised. So just some lump in solidarity for you as well. One of the questions also pretty much covered it, but it seems to me that there's two camps. One, I think sex traders are doing what they can to get by or not live a subsistence existence. And there's also the camp that thinks sex trading should be abolished yesterday regardless of who needs the money they earn from that, what it's for, healthcare, housing, food, etc. So is this an accurate take, or am I missing some points out to make sure to obviously really two sides that we're talking about that are fueling this, or is there a number thing, or is everybody just on the same page?
2: Um, I mean, I feel like those are probably the two most accurate takes is either uh, leave sex workers alone or abolish sex work. But the problem with the abolished sex work is that's not rooted in reality. Um, you really cannot abolish sex work. You can make it safer. You can engage in harm reduction, but you won't successfully in the industry.
1: So on the leave sex workers alone, points, would you say that what that's getting at is the sex workers saying, actually, we don't want people who aren't sex workers telling us what we should and shouldn't have because we're capable individuals?
2: Yeah, I think that's definitely valid. And, I, you know, part of that too is also um, people who do not have to live with the consequences of their politics in this area, right? Oh, yeah, Cause like, definitely. Because, like, a lot of folks supported things like SESTA-FOSTA. I don't know if y'all are familiar with that. Yeah. But
3: and, like, the back pages and everything, right?
2: Yeah, right. So, like, shutting down places where people could advertise, right? Um, also, and, like, because I think that it's so hard to explain. <laughs> But no, I think that is really like one of the big problems when it comes to talking about sex work is people don't understand how policies are implemented and what the real life consequences of those are, because they're still so stuck on that. Like someone's being trafficked, someone's being hurt. We need to rush in and help them, but don't consider if the help they're giving is the best type of help they could give. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so like I find that to be a big thing with the stuff like SESTA-FOSTA and shutting down Backpage. And it's like, well, those people still need to pay their rent and buy groceries. So if they can't advertise on backpage, they're just gonna do street-based work. But because they've never had to do street-based work before, they don't know how to take it's more dangerous, obviously, than advertising online. But now they don't know how to take those precautions. And so now people, sex workers, are getting into situations where they're in even more danger. Um like shortly after Sesta Fosta passed, so many sex workers had been murdered shortly after, Because they didn't have places to advertise and because they did not know how to be safe doing street work because they'd never done it before. And so that was a really big problem with SESTA-FOSTA. So, right, and, like, that sort of thing. And so that's, like, where the, like, please leave us alone and stop making policy about it until you understand what that means and how that is enacted.
3: Wow. No, I was just going to say, like, and it's also something that you could have been able to see throughout history, right? Like, it's always gone yeah. that way. I mean, if you think about, like, prohibition, the mm-hmm. making illegal of alcohol did not disappear alcohol, right? That's not how that works. All it does is it pushes it underground. Yep, exactly. And then you get things like bathhouse gin, and you get you make people, like, Al Capone rich. Super- while making yep. killing them essentially mm-hmm. right so bathhouse gin was super dangerous people died from it because yep. again there wasn't that safety and everything that could have come from regulating it I
2: guess yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah absolutely I think that's you know an incredibly valid thing and that has happened and that is what is continuing to happen with bad sex work legislation and you know people respond and say things like well but there were minors being trafficked on back page right but like that sentence is the entire conversation to them and again that's what I'm talking about like, you have to be willing to have the nuance and have these discussions. So the actual reality is, yes, there were children who were being trafficked on, like, you know, minors who were being trafficked on Backpage. What's not included in that statement is that Backpage had an ongoing relationship with the federal government to report when those suspicious ads came up and give the details to feds so feds could investigate right? Nobody talks about that part. And so then Backpage went down. Um, You know, these minors are still being trafficked. Where do where does law enforcement go to look for them? They don't know anymore. They've lost the digital footprint because all the websites went down. You know, so like that is like what we're talking about with consequences. And if you even look at, you know, a bunch of police, there were so many articles that came out uh, within a year of SESTA FOSTA happening that said street uh, street, uh, arrests were on the rise, that trafficking was on the rise, all those things. But these are all things sex workers said was going to happen and nobody listened because nobody thinks sex workers are capable of understanding narratives or how to improve their own lives. And so it was really unfortunate that that sort of thing went through. And now people are like, well, we've learned nothing from Sesta We've learned nothing from shutting down Backpage. Despite the fact that people died, despite the fact that, you know, trafficking went up, despite the fact that law enforcement lost digital footprints of uh, people who have allegedly been trafficked, you know, and they want to keep pushing and pushing these bad policies. And it's just really, really, you know, regrettable that so many folks are comfortable with this because they're still on that like knee jerk reaction of but someone's being trafficked. Do something and not considering if there's something is the best something that they you know could or should be doing and it's it's just really awful and that's the same thing with the nordic model i mean i don't know i'm kind of like throwing in a question we should can we talk about the models i don't i don't know if people know them
1: (laughs) yeah so can we talk about the nordic model because it seems to be a go-to example on this hot topic why is that
2: so (laughs) because people are full of shit basically um so, (laughs) so we talk about models in sex work typically there are three major models so we have the criminalization model where basically everything around sex work is criminalized that's what we currently have in the u.s so that means stuff like uh not only is like trafficking or like pimping criminalized but also being a sex worker is criminalized purchasing services from a sex worker is criminalized everything around it is criminalized you know and then we have a uh, straight up decrim. This is like what they have in New Zealand. Every, pretty much everything around uh, sex work is decriminalized, except, I mean, obviously, except for things like trafficking. There's this idea that if you somehow decriminalize sex work that like trafficking or pimping will be decriminalized. That's totally not the case. That's a lie. Please don't believe that. So like New Zealand has decriminalization. The other model is the Nordic model, which is actually used to be called the Swedish model because it originated in Sweden. Now, then it went to the Nordic model because it was primarily in Nordic countries at the point. So like Denmark, Sweden, Norway, Iceland, right? And now it's spread, it's in uh, Ireland, it's in other parts of the UK, it's in uh, parts of Canada, you know, those sort of things. And so that is actually a partial decriminalization model. And what people are trying to do is convince folks that a full decriminalization, which is what sex workers typically want, is the same thing as the Nordic model, which is only a partial decriminalization model. But the thing about partial decrim means it's also partially still criminalized. So it's really not ideal.
1: Why what crucial parts of it are criminalized that should be decriminalized to make it more effective?
2: So under the Nordic model, what is decriminalized is like selling services or offering services. So if you put up an ad somewhere or you see someone and say, hey, I'll provide this service for this amount of money, that's not illegal. But purchasing services is still illegal and then everything else that's around uh, sex work is still illegal. And so I think a lot of folks don't realize the around sex work part as a problem or what that necessarily means. So in practice what that means is because uh, buying service is still illegal. So clients can be arrested. So that means that police are still following clients to sex workers and sex workers are still called to court to testify against clients even though the sex workers themselves have done nothing wrong because their clients are committing a crime so you basically like you have to out sex workers first of all which is a problem and you're leaving sex workers under police surveillance because they're still um, associated with crimes even though they can't be arrested that's a problem the other problem is the crimes around sex work so a lot of things that were um, allegedly intended to prevent things like trafficking and things like that are used against sex workers so like a really common one in Ireland right now is brothel keeping laws which basically says that anytime you have two or more sex workers working in a house that it's officially a brothel so even though they have the nordic model and sex workers can't be arrested for advertising they can be arrested for brothel keeping so what you're seeing now is a lot of situations in ireland where you have like two or three women living together doing sex work and then they all get arrested for brothel keeping because they happen to be roommates even though it's much safer to have people working around you right obviously but also like what we were told is that the nordic model wouldn't uh wouldn't harm sex workers but if you're getting arrested for brothel keeping because you happen to have a roommate and you both do sex work that sounds like criminalization to me why the fuck is someone going to jail if they're not being criminalized right I mean, it's it's
1: almost (laughs) like entrapment because you're putting out the eye candy in the advertisements, Mm -hmm. but then you're criminalizing them for buying it. That's that's mad.
2: Yeah, right. Right. And like criminalizing clients, like obviously that's not going to help sex workers and sex workers have said this sex workers who live under the Nordic model. They've said that, like, I don't have time to negotiate prices. I don't have as many clients. So now I'm engaging in sex acts that I do not want to engage in with clients that I do not want to see because I don't have other choices. So, you know, that's also super important to talk about when it comes to, like, violence against sex workers or sex workers feeling coerced to provide services they don't want to. That's a huge fucking factor um, about the Nordic model. And the other thing about, like, crimes around sex work, this is something that happens in Sweden and Norway, is that sex workers actually get evicted because keep in mind, the idea behind the Nordic model is to end demand, right? So to abolish the sex work industry, because they believe that um, essentially it harms women and children for sex work to exist. And so their thing is like, oh, we're going to help sex workers by not arresting them, but we're going to push this model. But because in America it's called living off the proceeds of prostitution, that's like the the technical legal term. So things like if I'm a landlord, right? I'm renting an apartment to somebody who does sex work. Mm. If the police find out that my tenant does sex work, I have to legally evict them because if I don't, I can go to jail because I am living off the proceeds of their prostitution.
4: It's fucking real.
2: And so like, I'm not a pimp, I'm not a trafficker, I'm not making them do sex work. That's just what they already do and that's how they pay their rent. But because of the way laws are written and implemented, that's still illegal because you're kind of wading into like pimping territory, which is also a conversation about how we need to like, we write a bunch of pimping laws, but people hear pimp and have a state like, oh, you're just beating some woman and taking all her money. And like, that's the end of the conversation. It's like, it's so much more than that because it shouldn't be that you know, to rent to a sex worker makes you a pimp. Like, be, if you're if you're pushing somebody into sex work and taking their money, you're doing that. If you're just renting an apartment to somebody who happens to do sex work, that's not pimping. Why?
1: It seems like, a, to me, I can imagine there's, like, kind of a strategy to make people want to sneer at the thought of renting houses out to sex workers mm-hmm. uh, just to keep this social stigmatization against them. That's obviously what the law is, you know, the Element they want to just keep the image going as like social scum.
2: Definitely, and even in America, it's the same type of situations. Like, and this is also something I've talked about mostly because the statute of limitations has passed. Technically, I could have been hit with like a pimping charge myself because I had an apartment and I would just let sex workers come and sleep on my couch if they didn't have anywhere to stay. But because those sex workers would do things like buy dinner or you know give me twenty dollars to put toward the electric bill while they were staying there i'm living off the proceeds of their prostitution like technically i did something illegal by letting homeless sex workers sleep on my couch and that's really fucked up Like, sure. You know what I mean? And under the Nordic model, that shit is still illegal. So, like, it's nice to say, oh, well, we're not hurting women. We won't arrest sex workers because they're obsessed with women. They don't think, like, anybody who's not, like, a cis woman does sex work. It's fucking weird. <laughs> but um, <they're, laughs> that, that's, like, a whole other thing. <laughs> like, but their whole... But it's, like, you know, they're doing this. We're so like, oh, we're helping because we're not arresting sex workers. And it's, like, but you are arresting their support systems, which leaves them alone. Mm. So now, if you know that you can't go to somebody to sleep on their couch, if you know you can't rent from them, if you know like other shit that's illegal is like driving, like if someone calls you and says, oh, I have a client, can you drive me to this location? That's illegal advertising online if we go and especially since since, since that stuff bosta a lot of sex workers used to pass around bad date lists to say oh i saw this client he was really abusive here's his name here's his info passing those around is now illegal because that's promoting prostitution now you can't pass out a bad date list you can't sleep on somebody's couch when you're homeless if you're hiv positive depending on what state you're in, in america you still can't sleep in a building because you can get arrested for trying to uh, pass hiv which is all absolutely wild absolutely fucking wild and like all these things and it's like y'all want to say that you're helping sex workers because you're not arresting them for selling services but you're criminalizing penalizing and harming them in every other single way like this model is fucking trash and one of the things that terrifies me the most about the nordic model in particular is like i don't know if y'all are familiar with the whole like racist incident at the bar in sweden Okay, so there's a bar in Sweden, and there were Asian sex workers who were working nearby. And then an Asian woman and her family tried to go into this bar, they're not sex workers. And the bar basically said, no, you're Asian, and so are the sex workers in this area, and so we don't know if you're a sex worker, so you can't come in here. And, like, they did it based on race because you're Asian. Like, there's Asian sex workers, you're Asian, you can't come here. And a court actually upheld that. And, like, I don't know how familiar you are with the history of racial segregation in America. <laughs> but the fact that a business under the Nordic model can legally tell people who aren't white, you can't come to our business because you may be affiliated with sex work, is some scary fucking precedent. <laughs> you know what I mean.
3: Separate but equal, then. Eh?
2: exactly and so it's like all these things yeah and people keep saying like the nordic model is good and it's helping and it's like it's not everywhere i'm looking it's like you can't rent to sex workers i still see sex workers getting arrested for adjacent crimes i see sex workers friends and family being uh you know punished for these adjacent crimes like you know because keep in mind with this like living off the proceeds of prostitution that's not just landlords that's partners and friends like you can't live with your partner and do sex work because it's you're paying bills together as a couple that's living off the proceeds of prostitution and they can go to jail like so this whole like we're not arrested it's, it's absolute and utter bullshit and it's just hurting sex workers in every way i'm sorry i'm so ranty i'm sorry
1: <laughs> it's, it's worth it because people need to fucking learn including ourselves, so criminalized extremely bad because it puts people into cages takes them and locks them away for multiple years in the one and only life so that they don't even get to experience like daylight and wind and mm-hmm. sun and just normal shit locked away. That is bad. Decriminalisation, we love that because, you know, it's closer to freedom. Definitely. It's not freedom, but there's less restraint in terms of the violent, oppressive nature of the law and the police coming down on you, which they would do on the Nordic model. But who's pushing the Nordic model? precisely
2: um most <laughs> oh, this is a this is some handmaid's tale level shit um the nordic model is predominantly pushed by uh, rescue organizations which is a multi-billion dollar industry in the united states and a lot of other places oh, so rescue organizations that want to get women out of sex work and also by a lot of marxists I do believe you're going to have a firm on later, a firm as one of those people or one of those Mm -hmm. orgs that push the Nordic model. And a lot of leftists push it because they have sort of bought the idea that as long as police aren't arresting sex workers for prostitution charges that it's a very benign policy, but it's not because like all the stuff I just said, like you're still get evicted. If someone is renting to you and you do sex work, you still can't have a partner live in your house and share or a roommate and share bills with them because they're living off the proceeds of prostitution. You can still be dragged to court and outed as a sex worker because your clients are, are breaking the law, even though technically you're not, you know, so many sex workers get evicted. like, that's also a huge thing, right? And so You know, a lot of a lot of people tune out as soon as they hear we're not arresting sex workers for sex work, but like literally everything around it is still criminalizing and stigmatizing sex workers. And I don't think a lot of people necessarily grasp that. And so a lot of Marxists actually support that position. Um, And a lot of, you know, organizations like the firm do support that position. And that really terrifies me in a lot of ways.
3: It's also just a strange mentality—the idea that, like, you know, the bourgeois state will help you, right? Like that—that that <laughs> itself should send like warning flags. Like, wait a minute, you think honestly? the state's going to come in and fix this problem? Like, I don't think you understand.
2: Like, honestly, what really killed me was after the Rev Left Radio incident. Was um, I think her name was Brigid, Bridget. Bridget. I call her Bridget because I don't know how she pronounces it. Um, it was yeah. one of the people on that Rev Left episode and then um like a couple days after the episode came out made like a twitter thread basically saying that like uh we can't have prison abolition but we need to end sex work now and i was like abolish sex work but not prisons is a fucking take for a leftist that is quite a fucking Uh, take
1: yeah that's i don't Uh, yeah it's strange what Marx is seriously pushing is one that I'm speaking to later. Is that really what they're pushing, this Nordic model? I didn't know
2: that. Yeah, it's really, it's really awful, um, you yeah. know. And another thing that a lot of these folks will do, too, is look at, like, countries where it's legal, like uh, like Germany or the Netherlands, and be like, oh, look at all the places where legalization failed. And it's like, yeah, we know legalization fails. That's why we're pushing for full decriminalization, <laughs> right? You know? And so I think a lot of folks, when they hear that, they're like, oh, so, you know, trafficking is legal. No, it's not trafficking. It's specifically for sex workers and crimes that sex workers would be harassed for. And, you know, but again, I think a lot of it really, I keep saying it, I know, but I really think people don't know how deep, like, this bullshit goes. Because, like, a big thing in New York City for a long time was, uh, wait are you familiar with the too many condoms rule?
3: (laughs) I don't. Think so. That sounds like a, yeah. what, what? What is
2: this? Yeah. So basically, um, cause like one of the things about like the Nordic model is that it is like the next iteration of stop and frisk, which is. Wait, do y'all know about? I'm so sorry. I'm like taking up all this time, like explaining fucking American criminal justice right now. Is this is this helping or hurting? I don't know.
1: Yes, no. It's really, really interesting and super okay. crucial and important because we we've, we've actually got a larger listener audience in the United States, so naturally. Loving it. Keep going. Please tell us all about this um, condom stage.
2: So this actually started with the broken windows model of policing. And if folks aren't familiar, it's um, like a criminal justice theory that... If you prevent small, if you stop small crimes, you can prevent major crimes from happening. And so the idea behind the model is that if you go into a neighborhood and you see petty crimes like broken windows or graffiti or um, like homeless people drinking in public, that that is an indicator that there's going to be major crimes like, uh, like homicide or arson. In that neighborhood, And so the idea behind Broken Windows was that you can look at a neighborhood, determine it needs more policing, send all the fucking police there to over surveil the shit out of that neighborhood, and that's going to prevent major crime. And that led to the rise of stop and frisk. It happens all over America, but New York City was probably one of the most infamous. And why did Giuliani right? it. Yes, under, yes, exactly, under Giuliani. And so the idea that like, oh, this person looks suspicious and they're in a broken windows type neighborhood, I should stop them. Well, You know, as this has gone on, sex workers became one of the targets of that. And so something that happened a lot in particular was stopping trans women, um, I mean, cis women as well, but there was like an obscene number of trans women who were stopped. And police saying, oh, you have condoms on you? Clearly you're a sex worker. And arresting someone and using the condoms as evidence. (laughs) There was no actual. Oh my God. So sad. (laughs) Right. So there was no actual evidence that someone was a sex. Because like, if you go back and read police reports, it's like the most ridiculous bullshit. Like they were wearing leather pants. She was wearing a low cut top. Like, she had condoms. None of those oh things are, like, God. evidence of doing And even if they are a sex worker, like, I don't give a shit. But, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, those are not evidence of sex work. It's, like,
3: almost the exact same thing they do with, like, um, to check for gang affiliation, right? It's like, you're wearing this type of clothes, right? You were, yes. you were in this uh, block,
1: right? Like, it's yeah Yeah. I also see it as a kind of this broken window theory is like, (laughs) as far as like liberalism can go to identify crimes where it's going to look around and see crime, it's going to try and find explanations, but it's never going to understand a a class analysis and a class struggle, so if it brings in loads of pigs in the block to repress people and repress the crime, they're never ever going to figure out that it's that repression mm-hmm. that causes the crime. Exactly. Always. Exactly. Exactly.
3: No, I was going to say, I think the weirdest the weirdest one I saw, I think I read a story on it, was like a certain pair of shoes. There was someone walking and the police stopped them and arrested them for being a member of X, Y and Z gang because they had a, <laughs> like a brand of shoe. And the police said, yes. no, you, you don't understand. This mm-hmm. brand of shoe is associated with this gang. Dude was just walking down the street like, dude, these are just yeah. shoes. Like, I bought these and suddenly have my gang back
1: because I bought yeah. yeah, Yeah. Police.
2: Police do that all the fucking time, actually. Which is super in- interesting because actually one of the things they do here is get uh, gang injunctions. And so essentially what they do is like, send police out with like surveys to people who have no idea what's going on. And they'll just be like, sign here if you wanna reduce crime in your neighborhood. And then it's just putting people on gang injunctions. But then once you get, whether you're gang affiliated or not. And then once you actually get on a gang injunction, like you can like literally be like legally prohibited from going places. So like there's literally people who are on gang injunctions that have like kids and cannot take their kids to like certain parks. Are like amusement parks and stuff like that because they're on a gang injunction and like it's just shit police made up (laughs) you know what i mean and so it's and i really see like the current war on sex work sort of being like the new iteration of that um i think because in a lot of ways like i mean obviously like there's still like all the racism and classism and all those things happening with police but you know as the country in america in particular as it's gotten more um like accepting of things like maybe marijuana shouldn't be a schedule one drug and maybe you shouldn't be arrested for having marijuana right so as like those sort of attitudes are becoming more progressive police and courts and you know law enforcement agencies still need a way to justify um over surveilling neighborhoods and what they're really focusing now in my opinion is sex work especially with this nordic model shit by reframing it to be like well we're not going to arrest you for doing sex work and it's like but are you still going to be in my neighborhood harassing me, my friends, my community, my peers and the answer is yes and like nobody wants to talk about that part and so I really see this as being like like the new iteration of where that is going yeah. Definitely. Uh, in a lot of ways. And so, yeah,
1: but, <laughs> you know. No, it's true. And honestly, you say you're lumping a vanguard, but you're out there as well. You're at the forefront of everybody else as this is coming in. So this is why we've got to turn to you and look at these things going on because, you know, if people are actively pushing out literally liberal <laughs> legislation mm-hmm. in support of people, if you don't mind me saying, you seem quite clever, you seem quite capable, you seem very progressive you know you got good ideals you got a good heart you got you're saying all these things literally because you care you know you're just talking shit bullshitting you obviously care about these things and you care about these people and you care about this goddamn suffering Mm -hmm. the injustice all proletarians are going through we know it we get it so let's just lead down into the next question. Like, have you ever personally encountered ostracization, alienation from other Marxists, organizations, or communities simply for your practice of sex trade, and where ordinarily they wouldn't because of your politics?
2: Oh, absolutely. All the time. And that's fine. Um, yeah, because a lot of people really, like I said, a lot of people really do support the Nordic model because they don't understand what it looks like in practice and I'm like I'm literally you know looking at you know places in Canada and the UK and like I, you know I'm also coming I should also say I'm coming from my own perspective of being black in America specifically which is a very unique thing but like I'm looking at like <laughs> You know, like these, like the sex workers who are getting deported, like out of Ireland right now, a lot of them are from Romania. Like, I don't know necessarily how race works entirely in Europe, but both Irish people and Romanians are white in America. And so like what I'm seeing is like if white people are treating white people like this in Europe with this policy, it is going to be absolute fucking hell if it comes to America and white people get to use it on non-white people. And so that is like terrifying to me in ways that I cannot even begin to adequately articulate um, just based on, like, racism and police brutality and things like that here. If
1: anything, if I know America as well as I know America, they'll (laughs) implement it even worse.
2: Yes, they will. They absolutely will. And, like, I'm so scared, honestly. And, like, because the worst part is, like, we do have a full decriminalization model in New Zealand and trafficking went down. Like, we actually have sex workers right now in New Zealand. Like, there was a sex worker who worked in a brothel who was being um, sexually harassed by a manager and sued the brothel and won. Like, that is workers' rights. Like, that is the epitome of of workers' rights. I was mistreated in my workplace and was able to take, like, legal um, you know, to take like a legal action and you know be treated fairly despite being a sex worker. Like that is
1: victory.
2: yeah, like you know. And I mean, that that is really the best one can expect under the system we have. And people are still like, no decriminalization. I'm like, but no more of that. We should have more of that. Less of I'm going to deport you because I caught you having sex for money. What? <laughs> yeah, no.
3: I think it's also just that people don't understand like the weaponization of policy, right? Like, even if a hundred percent of the people who want the Nordic model have like the best intentions at heart, right? and they're all you know genuine, really good people, and they actually want to solve the problem, you have to understand that when that policy gets enacted by the state, it's going to be weaponized, which means it will be used as a weapon to target certain communities more, based on you know the state's interests ultimately, right? There is no absolutely, yeah. You have to look at how this is
2: You know, of course, like the race I know Americans are always talk Americans always talk about race, I know, but like it's literally everywhere. It's everything here. <laughs> but you know, cause that's the thing is people think like, Oh, we have to stop these traffickers and the Nordic model Nordic model is gonna keep women safe. But if you look at like a lot of these like trafficking trainings and things like that, like being in an interracial couple with a non-white man and a white woman is one of the flags of <laughs> a lot of these trainings. Like shit like that. Or, um, you know, other stuff like this obsession with like pimping. Because like, look at how they treated marijuana or drugs or these other sort of broken windows policies and the stop and frisk. Oh, I think you might be close to something. By default, if police can accuse you of being a sex worker, you're by default uh, close to something illegal that's happening. Because again, purchasing services is still illegal. So it's perfectly acceptable and under this model for police to just follow you right and arrest your clients but not just clients also everyone around you right because if they're following you around your neighborhood oh it looks like maybe that person has drug paraphernalia oh that person has an expired tag on their car oh this person is you know I don't whatever just finding a reason to stop people and that's really um where I think it's gonna go. And a lot of folks just have not grasped that yet. And that's really both frustrating and terrifying to me because they don't see how bad the implications can be. And I think that, you know, looking at other countries where this has already been implemented should be giving us an indicator of where it's gonna go. And folks still don't see it because they're still obsessed with like, I just want to protect women. And it's like, okay, but police aren't protecting me. I want them away from me. Please keep police away from me. They do not make me safe. They do not make my family safe. They do not make my household safe. They do not make my community safe. Police do not make me safe. I do not want police. I do not want state. um, I don't want the state involved in my life, like, you know, in that aspect at all. And they just don't. They're still so focused on like, but we have to stop trafficking. And it's like, (sighs) You're not really stopping trafficking by arresting people who have been trafficked and putting them in jail. You know, like, that's not helping.
1: It actually adds on to, like, a thought that I had yesterday. Basically, I'll give you my situation. So I was in the backyard and it was a middle class house. It was dead nice. It was out of the way. It was dead peaceful and bliss and there was loads of space and it was so organized. And you had all things in the backyard and it was beautiful, right? It was gorgeous mm-hmm. with a fire going but then, like, next door, they had these, like, kids running about that round with the phone. And, like, I was I was smoking weed and then I was a bit paranoid because they were shouting shit. And I was, I was like, are they shouting at me? I was like, what are they shouting? And I didn't know if they were talking to each other or me. But then I thought, these pesky kids. And then, like, it made me think about... How society views the lumpen in the way that it's like these middle class people are just literally living their own little world and their own reality Mm -hmm. that they've built up from time and like that's just them. They, They only interact with the world as much as they want and often it's not much so they literally have this small reality. So whenever they see like kids going by in the neighborhood with the hoods up and all of that, that's just a reminder that like their world isn't the actual real world. There's mm-hmm. all, there's other things going on. There's other things. And, um, so that, that's why people are thrown into jail, into cages, is to keep this reality away from people. But to see this go on to, like, Marxist circles and Marxist morality, that's a similar way where they don't want to look at the lumpen struggle, their revolutionary struggle, because they don't want to dirty themselves with the reality. No. Um, that This is more than an intellectual exercise, and this is actually, like, a material reality, and they need to stoop down to the lowest level if we're ever going to help each other up and that's what we should be aiming for ultimately that's the reason why they think the state can help though right because if you're a white upper middle class
3: person like the state actually does help you if you phone the police they actually will turn up and they actually will help you right so those people get it into their mind that, like wait the state does good things they're here to help us so this sex uh? work problem why don't we just move the state in, move the police in and they'll
1: fix everything right they don't understand that their experience isn't universal Awesome. That's what I'm getting at, and I think that even what's worse is if you are to make these arguments as. A Marxist and these liberal takes that obviously policy is going to help our comrades, then, I mean, but what more can I say? You're probably doing it and you probably have a big following and you probably have all of this and that because there's a lot of liberals out there. It's easy to get a lot of, of following and supporters if they're all liberals. <laughs> you know, we, um, what we need is actual progressives and our comrade our com- is very progressive and ideas very, very well thought out educated and just actually cool and just like literally is not hated on nobody not like tried to like take away anybody's rights or take food out of anybody's mouth during this conversation on sex with ultimately i think that anyone who thinks that moving the state in will solve the
3: problem i think you're just sort of definitionally off 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 the point there like, I think it's a non-starter. Mm-hmm. I think if your starting position is we can solve this issue with legislation, then you're already wrong, right? It's a non-starter. You've you failed before you even began.
2: Well, I was just going to say one thing real quick. I know I agree with that analysis, but I think a lot of um, the problem with that is actually uh, like media representation around sex work. Because something we see a lot, law enforcement, like uh, local and state and federal law enforcement all got together and did this. But unfortunately, like it's just not where they're like oh this was a um a human rights sting and then you look at or just like and so you know what people assume they do so all they see is the headline and just run with that and it's like those headlines are not accurate like if you see a headline that says you know 20 people arrested in sex trafficking sting look at what they're actually charged with and how many of them are actually charged with trafficking it's always like drug charges and drug charges and prostitution charges not human trafficking charges not pimping charges And a lot of people just don't know because they don't read past the headline.
3: It's probably also just laziness on their part as well, right? Like the police want, you know, giant arrest numbers with the least amount of effort possible. So it's easier for them to just, you know, arrest, you know, regular sex workers and call them, you know, human traffickers. It's easier to do that than it is to actually do the work to go after the real human traffickers. right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think probably one of the most um, infamous cases recently was the Robert Kraft case. I don't know if you all followed that one at all. No. Nope. Because he owns like a fo- uh, he owns a football team in America. He owns, I think, the Patriots.
4: Oh, yeah. So he owns did, a
2: football yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Miami, so like they right? kept the sting happened in Miami. The team right, he yeah, owns yeah. is in New England. But yeah. But um, that was a thing. They kept saying, like, it was a sex trafficking. Nobody was charged with human trafficking. Nobody was trafficked in that entire sting. And I don't feel like anybody knows that. Mm. (laughs) Nobody was actually beat. Nobody who was involved with that was a victim of sex trafficking. All of the people who got arrested were consensual sex workers. And, of course, like I said earlier, like, about the living off the proceeds of prostitution, the people who got charges... Where um, the person who owned the spa where this was happening, they got charged with living off the proceeds of prostitution. They did not get charged with human trafficking or any, you know, anything related to a sort of sex trafficking charge. But if you ask people, they'll say it was a sex trafficking charge, but nobody was trafficked. Absolutely nobody.
1: And it makes me think, why would that be presented in the news and the media? But again, you just turn back. The state wants to preserve itself, so it wants people to think that if they ever did abolish the police or abolish the state, then everybody's just gonna get raped and murdered and trafficked, so we need the pigs there to defend us and the pigs are doing abolished stuff, and like obviously we'll need to save them, but ultimately that's reactionary, I think the same people that would be against sex workers would probably be for um keeping jails for that same reason for to propagate this idea that we can't just abolish the state and bring in you know one by the people for the people so you know that's just liberalism for you honestly bureaucracies generally
3: are self-licking ice cream cones right like they exist to create <laughs> problems to further it, like demonstrate their own existence right that's what they do they create problems and then oh look i, I need me to solve this problem give me more money right like that's how this works it reminds me of when um you know george bush told dick cheney to go and find him the perfect vice president lo and behold he come back and said it's me like yeah of course it was you like no doubt you know it's like um the uh, no-fly list in America where they had a no-fly list, yes. and you could be put on it for like no reason at all, but there was exactly. no way to get off it. So if mm-hmm. you were put on yep. it for some unknown reason, you, you just there was just no way to get off it, and now obviously you can't fly, and that also shows up in like job searches when you know mm-hmm. employers would do a background check on you. you're on a no-fly list, now you're not getting that job for a reason that you don't know why. And you can't get mm-hmm. off that list because there's no official like pathway to get off the list, right? It really is like a, like yeah. a Kafka-esque trial type thing. Mm.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
3: Wow. Yeah,
2: that's that's a lot of how America works, If people still, even leftists, refuse to acknowledge how bad it is, and it's worrisome.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for everything so far. We're moving towards the end now. We're just getting to the nitty gritty. I've got to ask you a difficult question so that I appear (laughs) unbiased and impartial. Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Of course. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that Nordic model is very important and you educated me. I did take quite a bit of notes with that and I'll raise that during the next interview so we can cover both sides let getting the nitty gritty so like, I think that obviously some of the main reasons that people would be against sex work sex workers are because of the risks involved ultimately like are there not very serious risks dangers and ideological trappings that come with prostitution could it not just be the case that your experience isn't universal with everybody and therefore you should you should actually just accept that being pro-sex workers is neoliberalism? Um,
2: ironically, um, I don't think my, there are a lot of dangers in sex work. And ironically, the reason that I am so passionate about talking to this is because I have experienced them and I don't want other people to have to suffer the way that I did. So like I mentioned briefly earlier, I was dealing uh, in my 20s with bouts of um, homelessness and doing street-based sex work. And I experienced a lot of violence, you know, at the hands of so-called clients and definitely at the hands of police. And a lot of people I know because of the work I do, right, I mentioned I'm one of the executive directors of Swap USA. Um, We get a lot of calls. Um, One of our affiliate organizations is Swap Behind Bars. They run a hotline and we have a lot of sex workers who... Routinely call in to talk about being abused, to talk about being raped, to talk about being robbed, to talk about being violently arrested, to talk about like some people want to blackmail sex workers. So um, I'm actually like really familiar with all the horrible things that sex workers go through. And my biggest thing is harm reduction. And the reason I'm so obsessed with talking about all this is because I do want harm reduction. I don't want other people to have to go through these things. And the Nordic model will not prevent that. Legalization will not prevent that. And criminalization is sure as shit not helping with that at all. So yeah, because I've been there, harm reduction is like my first and foremost priority. So... (laughs) Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so like nobody knows about the violence more than somebody who's actually suffered the violence. And that has led you to the logical conclusion the harm reduction is what you should strive for.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: As well as not accepting criminalization or flipping the Nordic model.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Because we don't want people to have to suffer, we don't want people to be hurt. And we are very mindful of the communities that we serve, but. You know, unfortunately, a lot of the rhetoric that's anti-sex work is people saying, oh, well, you don't know how bad it is to be there. You don't get to talk about it. And it's like, no, I literally was there. I really do know how bad it is. And that's why I know the policies that you're laying out will not help. Because now you want a bunch of stuff. Because, like, my experiences are far from universal. Like, there are so many sex workers I know, so many um, non-white sex workers, trans sex workers, street-based sex workers, drug-using sex workers. Like, I know a lot. I know some sex workers who are, you know, the sort of um, stereotype of, like, the white, uh, you know, like, cis-privileged young woman who's making all this money. Yeah, I know sex workers like that. I also know sex workers who are not like that at all. And I'm telling you, based on the lives we've lived, that you know, continued police presence and shitty government policy is not helping our communities in any meaningful way. And in fact, it's usually hurting us. And so I'm not just saying that because I'm an anomaly. I'm saying that because that is the lived experience of so many sex workers. Police don't help. We don't want more police. Um, Government policies, we're not even allowed in the room when the government makes policies around sex work. You know, a lot of sex work Policy requires conflating sex work and sex trafficking, even though those are very separate problems, you know? And so it's like, I have lived through this. I work, I work in this industry. Like this is, you know, what I do. So I'm not, you know, I'm not coming from this perspective that like, I just know things because I'm special and I'm unique and I'm better than everyone else. I'm coming this, like I lived through some shit and all of my friends and colleagues have lived through some shit. And we don't want other people to have to live this way. So, no, this isn't, like, a place of privilege or I'm unique or whatever. No, this is, like, I do not want anybody to have to go through some of the shit I've been through and survived in my life. Because a lot of people went through the same things and didn't survive. And that's really fucking shitty.
1: I'm just going to throw another question at you, if you don't mind. Because one of their counterpoints would be that they're not against sex workers. Of course not. That would, that would be bad, you know. They're just against the sex industry. Have you ever heard that? What What do you think of that? I
2: mean, I, I don't know what that means. Like, I've heard that, but like, I don't know what that means. Like, how do you actively, like, that sounds to me like when, um, like, conservative religious people be like, I don't hate gay people, but I think being gay is a sin. Right? What the fuck does that? What the fuck does that mean? (laughs) Yeah, they always say
3: like, "Hate the sinner, not the sin," (laughs) and it's like, well, wait a minute.
2: Right. It's like like, because it's so like for starters, it's coming off the assumption that like it's bad to be a sex worker. Like it's definitely um, something that's said as a moral judgment. Like, oh, I don't hate you. I just hate the industry. And it's like, but that is a moral judgment. So you already are. Coming in the conversation with negative attitudes around sex workers, mm. but also like if you hate the industry and you don't hate sex workers, why don't you listen to sex workers who are telling you that these policies are hurting us taking down backpage page hurt sex workers, Festa Fasta hurt sex workers, the Nordic model hurt sex workers. Um, having uh, these religious organizations run these anti-trafficking programs hurts sex workers. These uh, diversion programs hurt sex workers. Like for someone who doesn't hate sex workers, these people are definitely not listening to anything sex workers say. I'll
1: tell you. I'll tell you where this comes from. Actually, it was actually from the Rev Left Discord when, uh, like, how people's reacting to to that episode. Really. And then I commented something, I commented my take and somebody said, Terrible take shibby, listen to the episode. They are very principled analysis of the trade and people who were in it and then he said like under capitalism workers treated like shit, blah 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 that's when he said they're not against sex workers, they're against it as an industry, and they said that twice, and they finished up on it as well. So, um, and then they said, like, don't be harassing Dog Parler for these comrades, just getting out of hand, just listen to the episode, please, and listen to it. You know what I'm saying? So um, We're building yeah. on that. We're, we're talking to each other from that. So um, I just thought I'd mention that as if the comrade does listen to this or people with it, that similar idea, then we can, we can just address that um, ultimately.
2: Yeah, that's actually, like, hilarious to me that they're like, I don't hate sex workers, I just hate the industry.
1: So it reminds me of the Chinese, like, no, I'm not against Chinese people. I'm against, like, the CPC. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
2: Right. Because like how do you because that's the thing if you're trying to end the industry there is not a way to end the industry that will not hurt sex workers. There is yeah. not a way, you know what I mean, to be anti sex work industry without also being anti sex worker.
3: That's what I was going to say. It's a symbiotic yeah, right? it's a symbiotic relationship. Like think about this in any other industry, right? Like I'm not against I'm not against people who make cars. I'm against the car industry. Well, hang on a minute. Without a car industry, you can't have people that work on cars. This makes no sense. You, you're making a, a distinction where where one doesn't exist.
2: Politics
1: exactly. Or,
3: you know, exactly.
2: Good... And I, I feel like that's part of that whole um, like obsession with the Nordic model where they're like... But, you know, it's helping and it's like it's not actually helping that because their thing is they want to see clients getting arrested because they think clients are like just horrible pieces of shit. And I mean, some of them are, but, you know, but it's like you're not I still need to eat. I still need to be able to pay my bills. So if you're legislating something that makes it more difficult or more dangerous for me to work, you're not actually pro sex worker. Yeah. Like, it's just that simple. I,
1: I hope that you can like, continue <laughs> to eat and continue, continue to live in a happy life. God damn it. And I hope other people do that. Thank you. Stop being so horrible you. to each other. Come on, just fucking stand by each other. God damn it. I'm not trying to turn everybody into goddamn prostitutes. You know, it's not what it is. You're just trying to be silly, take a model high ground. Come on, we've got to be better, than Let's let's just abolish capitalism.
2: I would love to abolish capitalism. Yes.
1: The question that I
3: would have to ask them was would be like, what, what does your idea succeeding look like, right? Like if if you get everything you want, if you succeed perfectly, like what does the world look like if if that happens? And if you're a carceral system and it's based on locking people up, then the end. The end result of that is a ton of people in prison, right?
2: I mean, that's true, but they won't admit that because they're so hung up on, as a talking point, saying that the Nordic model doesn't arrest sex workers. But, like, as, as I mentioned before, like, it excludes all the other things that you can get in trouble for, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah, I might not get arrested, but I can be evicted. That's still a fucking problem for me. Like, like you
1: literally you know can't I mean? be a social creature. I mean, <laughs> you're just alienated from everybody else. Too. Or otherwise, you, otherwise, you could potentially get them into trouble with the law. Exactly
2: and like they just refuse to acknowledge that that happens under the Nordic model and it's so bizarre I I think that one of the more bizarre things just in general talking about like sex worker rights is how many people are like willing to speak over sex workers as if stuff doesn't happen like as if there aren't like literally sex workers like tweeting from Sweden every time they get evicted for being a sex worker like you can find these people they're real people Mm. and also like oh you're being paid by the pimp lobby which whatever. You know, or like, oh, you're a fake a account. Are you yeah. the pimp? No, it's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but A lot of people, because that's again, that's the thing, because people like the first thing they hear in some ways, I like get pushed back for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. In some ways, talking to people who like leftists specifically who are anti-sex work reminds me of talking to like the fucking pro-life crowd. Where they're like anti-abortion, but they call themselves pro-life, but they're literally opposed to anything that makes people's lives better, mm. and they're just really, they're just really pro, uh, they're just really opposed to abortion, you know? They'd be like, "I'm pro-life," and it's like, okay, how do you feel about living wages? No. Ugh. How do you feel about universal health care? No. How do you feel about you know what I mean? <laughs> well, politics <laughs> really is a
1: hobby to so many people. It really is just an interesting middle class, like. Aristocratic, like, um, hobby to some people, and, and what's worse is these people are the ones who are changing like political consciousness on the left and mm-hmm. Marxist circles generally, and they're only doing it for a fucking hobby. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes, a, a goddamn like academic venture, and seriously, they're changing like the direction of like Marxist consensus, and we need to bring it back. we we'll obviously regroup because we're all goddamn split up everywhere and just crazy Mm -hmm. skirmishes that for like battles that ended long ago and we've got new battles
2: i mean yeah I, i think a lot of it is like that and it's just really frustrating that they're like no this is just about you know helping sex workers and it's like but you're not helping me and then you know again they'll be like oh well because they're so like entrenched in these ideas right they're really obsessed with the idea that like almost all sex workers are trafficked or they're there by force or they, you know, have a pimp and that's not true. But then when sex workers do like use their social media accounts to talk about things, I've been called part of the pimp lobby so many times I've been called a fake account. People think I'm a a white man. People think I'm a client who's like tweeting these things because they're like, no, if you were a real sex worker, you wouldn't be allowed to tweet because your pimp wouldn't let you. And I'm like, I've never had a pimp in my life.
1: (laughs) And and in it, and you've never known a pimp or known a sex worker. So what are you talking about? <laughs> Where do you get right, these like, ideas? It really
2: is. It really is the thing, and it's like so wild to me that people will honestly argue that. And interesting that people will say like, "Oh, but you." you know but you have to have a no you don't like sex workers are talking all the time they'll say oh if you have a sex worker it's because you're privileged because you just do uh like webcam work and it's like no i don't and you know i've done in person work Mm -hmm. i've had a twitter account And done full service in-person work at the same time, you know, and like they really just refuse to grasp that. But that is a way to, you know, sort of discredit people. But it really is that obsession with the talking points like all sex workers are trafficked. All sex is paid rape. And it's like you don't get to like rewrite somebody's um identity because you don't like what they're saying you don't get to revoke their consent as a third party and say that no it was rape even though you consented like they're just fucking weirdos and they're obsessed with controlling other people's bodily options <laughs> yeah. it's fucking weird
1: yeah, they're coming in trying to slogan your life and they've never even it's experienced weird. it it's
2: really fucking weird i don't get it <laughs>
1: yeah. it's also that like well, you know they're, they're trying to legislate out a
3: problem that only exists in their mind right because that, yeah. that situation doesn't exist.
1: <laughs> You're like, you've like. Yeah. Being pigs, though, it's like, but this is where, whenever we see progress, we're going to see repression. And it's the people policing ideas of the bourgeois ruling class. And that's what the people are doing when they're doing this. They're being reactionaries. That's what it comes down to. They're trying to defend progress. Mm-hmm. Whenever there's progress, these are going to come up and go, actually, I could get involved in this. And then, you know, suddenly if they've had a different opinion, they. Jump on board the goddamn liberal bandwagon in, in these synthetic mm-hmm. left kind of fucking situations. People need to stop being fucking parasites in their own people and stop acting like pigs and fucking start turning on the pigs. I'm telling you, people get that we're frustrated and this is beyond a joke. <laughs> if you don't, we are. <laughs> I told you, know. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I just I don't understand. I don't understand the obsession with policing other people's bodily autonomy like that. It's a little fucking weird. And then also, you know, I think the big thing with these folks who are like anti sex work industry but not anti sex worker is that they don't really um have alternatives for sex workers. A lot of their stuff is very like theoretical. Like, well, after the revolution, you won't have to do this. Okay, well, bring on that revolution. Then I'm waiting like you know what I mean it's like what do I do in the meantime like what do sex workers do in the meantime they need to eat they need to be housed. and you know all this like theoretical shit about like well if we have a revolution this and that and it's like we don't even have a living wage why (laughs) um you know I have chronic health conditions I literally can't I mean you know when I was younger I could work as shit I did I used to you know waitress and work in factories and stuff you know when I was younger in addition to doing sex work and it's like You know, you know, now because of my health issues, I can't stand up for a 10 hour shift. So so I could only work part time, like physically, because that's what my body would allow. So why would I work part time for less money to not be able to pay rent when I could just do sex work instead? You know, and like, that's the thing is they really do not address the material conditions. Like they'll say like, oh, you know, sex workers are forced into it because poverty. And it's like, well, so everybody under capitalism who's forced to work because being homeless is shitty. You know what I mean? Like, why do you hate, like, why, you know, like, why aren't you trying to abolish fucking Starbucks? Like, do you know how much sexual harassment the baristas go through? Like, why are you, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's just weird that like sex work is the thing that folks have chosen to um, sort of pick on because they're like morally opposed to it. But, you know, they're still not offering alternatives. And that's like Mm -hmm. a really big problem too, because if you want to tell me to quit my job, then you need to have something else that I can do immediately. You know, and if you're not.
1: They'll go to a protest against sex workers, they'll go home and then they'll fucking masturbate to some point. They're fucking hypocrites.
2: They point with one hand and jack off with the other.
1: (laughs) Oh, shit.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They do.
1: (laughs) do Yeah, that was fire. Spitting bars.
2: Oh, I did not. I cannot take the credit for that one. That is just a sex worker saying. We, we have our own proverbs, and that is one of them.
1: <laughs> wow, thanks for sharing that. This is from a patron. We always like to give our patrons an opportunity to ask our guests a question themselves. It's just a big thank you for the support that they give towards the, mm-hmm. sort of the people program, which had recently started up, and just um, you know to show others that we're doing good work here because money has social capital and social value and people are consumers, so when they see that you've got loads of patrons, they're more likely to listen to you and they need to listen to us, so we need to support each other. So, unfortunately, that's what we have to do under capitalism, but... This is from Nico Dangi. I've just got to warn you, I personally do not understand this question. I've wrapped my head around it trying to get like understand it and don't get it. Maybe it makes sense to okay. you because it's probably American, but... Okay, so this is a question from Nico Dengue. How does the sex trade affect housing stability and vice versa? What should housing justice movements do to collectively make the right to exit a material reality?
2: Oh, um, I would definitely, no, that actually does make sense. I
1: do Um, not get it. I think
2: think what they're asking is how can we ensure that sex workers are um, allowed to have housing Mm. Um, I'm assuming they're asking maybe from like a Nordic model perspective, in which case you would have to, um, also make it illegal to, uh, basically make sex oh, yeah. workers a protected class yeah. so that it would be illegal to deny rentals to them. Uh, you would also have to change like current laws around things like, uh, trafficking and pimping. And, you know, as I said earlier, people get very like tense when you say that. Cause like, Oh, you want kids to be raped? no. No, we do not want anybody to be trafficked. We don't want anybody to be assaulted. We don't want anything like that. Um, But currently, if it is illegal to live off the proceeds of prostitution, that makes it very difficult to rent to sex workers. So we need to repeal laws like that and create um, more efficient laws to actually stop people who are traffickers as opposed to – You know, punishing sex workers or punishing families of sex workers. So um, repealing those laws about uh, that, making, uh, also doing, um, I just forgot the word, uh, sealing records. So if you have been arrested for a prostitution charge, uh, sealing those records so landlords can't see it. And also so jobs can't see it. Those sort of things would go a lot further in making sure that sex workers can access housing. So the Nordic model does not um, account for that. And criminalization obviously doesn't account for that. So, yeah, definitely um, keeping records sealed so landlords can't see. uh, Repealing the... or. Updating, reforming the um, laws around living off the proceeds of prostitution and creating a certain uh, protection class for sex workers by saying that you can't discriminate on someone who has a history of sex work, um, you know, when they apply to rent from you.
1: Mm, so, yeah, those housing justice movements out there in the U.S., if you want to do something progressive for a sex worker in comrades, those seem to be some great suggestions. Thank you for the question and your support, Nico point of the episode is we just need solidarity and consensus if we're ever going to have a revolution towards socialism. Yes. I mean, we have not, I mean, none of us here have been bad towards other comrades. We've never told them what they should do. We've just merely advised what you yourself would recommend for sex workers in your situation. And as socialists, we should love and support you doing that. And we hope that that's what people get out of this. Um, I'm looking forward to the next episode and to get these episodes out then. And then what we'll see is the reaction from people. and um, We'll see these ideas and these thoughts, these histories and, and experiences spread throughout the consciousness. Of the left, I'm sure, and those will again, just like the Rev Left episode, bring out a lot more contradictions to the surface of what people are thinking and feeling in response to that. and we're going to continue to build this because we're going to keep talking to each other and keep building this love and solidarity between different classes, and um, because ultimately the only politics we need is class analysis, you know, dialectical materialism scientific socialism but to those comrades who just it's not enough to learn and to listen to get your thoughts and feelings like have you got any advice for what we can do or what we need to know to stop this reactionary unprincipled behavior from comrades on all sides so we can't have a people that are actually going to unite because i think at the core of marxism You know, it's about uniting as a class. And I think that that's been a long tradition in the Marxist circles. I don't think that's very controversial.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like, probably the biggest thing is actually listening to sex workers, which sounds like incredibly simple. But, I mean, actually find some sex workers or some organizations who have social media accounts and actually follow them to see what they're talking about. Because, I, you know, I mean, I can't speak for everyone. Um, who has, uh, you know, Marxist tendencies, who doesn't like sex workers. But I really do feel like a lot of folks who do have those sort of tendencies are just really coming from a place of being uninformed a lot of the time because they hear sex trafficking or they hear, uh, you know, sex workers all have pimps or something like that. And so they don't know what to do. And that's not really like the reality of the situation. And so actually sitting down and watching sex workers talk about their lives, because sex workers do on social media, and what helps and what doesn't help, I think is hugely instrumental because like a lot of people that I still talk to now, one of the their turning points was following uh, I think it's called Rose Alliance. They're in Sweden. So under the Swedish model, was um how they had to do a fundraiser and scramble to find housing for someone who got evicted because they were a sex worker. Because these people really did have this attitude that, like, oh, the Nordic model's safe and it's gonna help everybody, you know, and then all of a sudden, Uh, They're seeing this or folks who say, oh, legalization is a great model. It's going to help everybody. And then all these horror stories come out uh, from sex workers who are working under legalized models, like especially in Nevada, like the restrictions that the workers are under there are just fucking ridiculous, to be honest. And, you know, that sort of thing. And so really listen to what folks are saying, because they do have the lived experience and they have the ability to know what is best for them. And it's usually not continued police state. It's not state surveillance. You know, like those things are not helpful at all. They don't create a sense of safety. They don't create a sense of community. You know, and so but you don't know that or you don't know how these things are being implemented if you've never actually talked to sex workers, because the news media is not going to cover it. Uh, Unfortunately, even leftist news media isn't going to accurately cover it. So it is really important to do your own research and seek out sex workers and understand what's going on and, you know, really do challenge some of these narratives. If somebody says that, like, oh, the Nordic model is good because you won't be arrested. Well, what happens if you get evicted? What happens if your kids get taken from you because you're still doing something that's, you know, quote unquote bad? You know, what happens if your partner gets arrested or your roommate gets arrested because you're technically brothel keeping by working together? Like, what about all these other situations that sex workers know about because they have to live through these situations that maybe didn't occur to you? So it's just really important to um, really build those bridges and really sit down and listen to the concerns that people have, not just... You know, basic concerns that we all have under capitalism, right, like poverty or I can't access my health insurance or, you know, my rent is going up, you know, those sort of things, obviously important. But when it comes to sex work, specifically talk to sex workers about how policies are impacting them, because the stuff like I mentioned, like getting arrested for having condoms, people don't know that getting arrested for being a suspected trafficking victim, people don't know that. The way the media reframes things and says that, you know, there's these trafficking stings and then no traffickers are found anywhere because nobody was actually trafficked. People don't know that. And I understand how and why people don't know that. But at some point you do have to do your own independent research and talk to the people who are living in that and like develop your own ideas around that. I feel like that was a really long answer. I'm sorry.
1: All very well said, sister. Great points there. And obviously these are points that as we know have not hit the the goddamn eardrums of human beings since now. Because nobody talks about this shit, um, predominantly in the left and we wanna just keep raising this consciousness because I mean it's essential. It's it's not as fancy as I am um, a bit of marks and angles, but you know, with people living today, it's it's what we're going through here. So yeah, important, do go and follow for well, the sex workers on social media, you do get to see the amazing support of communities because they do have nobody else but themselves. Um, in these hard times, it literally is nobody else but themselves. It seems to be not even uh, most Marxists the ones that do it. very amazing, mm-hmm. principle comrades, love and solidarity forever to you, beautiful people. But to everybody else, and all the other liberals, uh, you know, we leaving sex workers with nowhere, nowhere else to go. But Troubled, disabled, mental health problems, could have addictions, could have all these things that you think that they are, but you're literally just leaving them with in, in dire situations when they're trying to improve it and not even, whilst obviously as we've heard, trying to actively make it worse, so follow sex workers on social media, see what they're actually talking about. Um, and that's a lot better than just watching shit posts on Twitter against yes. sex workers. You know, <laughs> like real shit. Yes, yes.
2: All right, yeah. Please listen to sex workers and not the shit posts, please. Yeah. Oh my God.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, but it really does go a long way. You know, if people do occasionally retweet, you know, a base tweet from um, a sex worker comrade on some sick analysis or news or something that really does push the stigma back and that's what we're fighting the social stigma so do support our comments definitely have you got any final thoughts phoenix before we get to your plugs i
2: think i covered pretty much everything i wanted to cover unintended consequences of the nordic model and legalization Yeah, (laughs) sorry, I'm trying to roll it all back in my head.
1: Um, You covered it all and you've done it excellently as well. Thank you.
2: I think we got it.
1: Yeah, cool. Okay, then. So where can people find you, where they can support you and your work, and is there anything else that you want people to find in the show notes, which we'll include?
2: Well, you can always find me on Twitter. My Twitter is at Uppity with two Ps, two Ts, and two Ss. I also work for Swap USA, you know, we, you know, we have our website, we have our social media. The other thing I would recommend is just really following other sex worker organizations. Uh, Estrada comes to mind. Um, SWAI is an Irish organization. Uh, Sweat tweets, uh, S-W-E-A-T, that is a South African collective of sex workers that tweets um, about sex work. So yeah, there's actually a lot of uh, organizations. Hacking Hustling is one. They focus on digital safety uh, with sex workers. So there's actually like a lot of organizations that are pro-sex worker or are friendly to sex workers who are doing a lot of work in a lot of ways around like local organizing um, around doing, um, mutual aid around actual, uh, like lobbying and policy swap behind bars is amazing. They help sex workers who have been incarcerated, like sort of get back on their feet and help them, uh, you know, reintegrate into yeah. society. So like that work is, that work is super, super important. I love Alexandra so much. She's so amazing, you know, but like, there's so many people doing so much amazing work right now. And I think that that, you know, is important just one, cause it speaks to the resilience of the sex work community, Um, especially after coming off COVID because sex workers were excluded from almost every COVID um, sort of like relief package and so all the mutual aid was just sex workers among each other so that was like really beautiful to see but you know just follow these sort of orgs and you know these sort of folks because this is how you will actually know because it's one thing to hear someone say that you know, oh, the Nordic model is good. It'll help sex workers. But when you see actual sex workers being like, I lived under this model, it is not helping me. Or this is how this model would impact me. I think that's really um, the place to go. So uh, National Ugly Mugs, Sex Work Hive, Mistress Blunt, Red Canary Song. They are an American org that works specifically with Asian sex workers, particularly like migrant Asian American sex workers. Maya Morena is a sex worker who talks a lot about immigration status. She's undocumented in working. Yeah, there's just so many. I don't know, there's just so many folks, but follow everybody.
3: I was just going to say, like, I love the internationalism also, right? Like, I love the understanding that, you know, the struggle doesn't respect borders.
1: Yeah, I mean, I want to say... UK sex-working comrades, I'm sorry I have never platformed any of these that don't know where to start. Seriously, it just always seems to be US comrades who, who are pushing for progressive justice who seem to have stumbled across, order sort of stumbled across those... We'll get to the UK someday.
2: Yeah, I do also appreciate the global aspect. Um, actually, uh, India, um, which I think may surprise people, maybe just because there's like sort of perceptions around sex work in India and sex trafficking uh, from a Western perspective. But sex workers in India are actually some of the most um, well-organized activists when it comes to sex worker rights. Like the shit they have managed to pull off is fucking amazing. And very rarely repeated or uh, reported in Western media for obvious reasons. But um, yeah, so much of the work that is happening, like just, yeah, all over the world. I was actually just on a call and we had people from Australia, New Zealand, Canada, uh, UK, Ireland, France. It's just, you know, so many folks are really uh, working on these issues and really coming together. And it's really a beautiful show of solidarity.
1: And that just shows the points that it's a... Well, why a problem? Because, you know, capitalism, class structure, society is across the whole goddamn globe. It's not just to do with, say, policy or criminology. It's literally a direct planned effect from economic policy that's come in to affect things politically and socially. You know, it's that basic. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for your time. It's been fun as well. It's been interesting. I've learned a so lot. I'm going to listen back to it as well before the next yes. interview to let it all sink in. I'm
2: sorry this took so long. Like, I just kind of kept rambling. My bad. It.
1: No, it's did, good. Wait, did it, y'all, it's so important. A- like like I said, uh, there's a lot of listeners who are, are going to be highly anticipating this, as well as the one with AMS Brands. I'll tell you now as well for the artwork. What I'm going to have is, is like the yin yang, yeah. Except, uh, oh, okay. Except oh, wow. I'm gonna have half of it, and like your face is gonna be on one of the circles, and Esperanza's face is gonna be in the other circle. Oh, okay. While the other cir- while the other half of it is our logo, so that's gonna show like the dialectics of this. I just hope that people will go over and, and follow you, give you some support, and give you some feedback to just tell you really how, how useful and. How progressive that was because uh, you need some solidarity from that, um, because that was some fucking boss work. And, and I know that you're gonna have given a lot of people solidarity from that, especially like the comrades that we know, they're, they're really gonna be so grateful for this. So, thank you again, and I really hope that you have a good night.
2: <laughs> Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Wakers and lumpen of the world unite.
2: She is a built
0: different from the rest. Diamonds on her finger and she always looks up. There, She is a gangster with a hundred male tell when she walks. Her feet don't touch a floor. Well. She is a built She plays with lightning i a hundred miles high Dishing out the thunder like a god Inside the sky she is a dancer And she dances in my dreams Reminds me that the world is not as evil As it seems she is a belter No happy end. This fairy tales come true, but she looks like a princess, and there's not much else to do. I think I love her. She gets underneath my skin, but I've been stung a few times so I don't let no one in no even built up. She is a built-up. A she is a belter How can she reach me when I'm high above the shelf? lost in say the smoke ring well I point up to myself is she the answer did question in my mind Is happiness an option or is love just told me blame that she a built No happy endings Unless fairy tales come true But she looks like a princess And there's not much else to do I think I love her She gets underneath my skin But I've been stung a few times So I don't no one And no even Belta She is a Belta She has a belt up.